You are listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is education and true word of Yah. Climate change is Abba Yah's word causing desolation or prosperity. As always in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to the Lion's Tears Ministry where you can study this information and continue on building your relationship with our one true creator. The word of God is clear on what climate change is and what it is not. This sermon will look at our Bibles and other books that give us vital information on what is really going on. To understand what we need to learn, we're first going to look at what is climate change, what is global warming, we're going to have a run through of the carbon cycle, and we're going to talk about excess ocean water and where it goes or quote unquote does not go. So first up is what is climate change? And this is a definition by National Geographic. Climate change is the long-term acceleration of temperature and typical weather patterns in a place. Climate change could refer to a particular location or the planet as a whole. Climate change may cause weather patterns to be less predictable. These unexpected weather patterns can make it difficult to maintain and grow crops in regions that rely on farming because expected temperatures and rainfall levels can no longer be relied on. Climate change has also been connected with other damaging weather events, such as more frequent and more intense hurricanes, floods, downpours, and winter storms. Next, what is global warming? According to Encyclopedia Britannica, global warming is the phenomenon of increasing average temperatures near the surface of the earth over the past one to two centuries. And just to be clear, one century is 100 years and two centuries is 200 years. um, According to Encyclopedia Britannica, The data indicates that Earth's climate has changed over almost every conceivable time scale since the beginning of geologic time and that the influence of human activities since at least the beginning of the Industrial Revolution has been deeply woven into the very fabric of climate change. So again, the Industrial Revolution has really happened within the last 100 to 200 years. So... I would love to ask scientists what was the cause of global warming before we built industries and started expanse, you know, civilizations and everything like that. Because brothers and sisters, forget all mainstream knowledge. Our ancestors were super smart, built cities, built the pyramids, built Things that we're just remembering, because remember, we all suffer from social amnesia, from when the flood occurred, we, you know, blocked things out. We got mad and created our own gods, and we went off the course that Abba Yah has set before us, because when you have amnesia and global catastrophe 
is a very good source of social amnesia, you're going to forget who you really are. So, I would like to ask a scientist, what happened way before in, you know, 2800 BC or whatnot? Because they just said that global warming or climate change has occurred almost every conceivable time scale since the beginning of geologic time. So I want to, again, ask who was in charge of quote-unquote global warming in, you know, 268 B.C.? Did they even care about global warming in 268 B.C.? Because this is not the issue, brothers and sisters. The Industrial Revolution is not our problem. And we're going to learn what our problem really is and what causes these ill will patterns and for crops to be damaged or destroyed. And if you are a believer in a creator, then you probably already know that when we don't follow the word of God in obedience with our morals, values, and ethics, then it's like the domino effect. You knock one domino over and everything keeps tumbling down. And then we have to find something to blame because we as mankind don't ever take the blame ourselves and claim responsibility to what is really the problem. So then we blame it on things like the Industrial Revolution and more greenhouse gases and whatever else. Anyway, what are greenhouse gases? This comes from our lovely lying scientists at nasa.gov. And they state, besides CO2, there are other greenhouse gases. These include water vapor, methane, nitrous oxide, and ozone. Without any greenhouse gases, Earth would be an icy wasteland. Greenhouse gases keep our planet livable by holding on to some of Earth's heat energy so that it does not escape into space. This heat trapping is known as the greenhouse effect. Just too little greenhouse gas makes Earth too cold. Too much greenhouse gas makes Earth too warm. Over the last century, again, the last hundred years, humans have burned coal, oil, and gasoline in our cars, trucks, planes, trains, and power plants and factories. Burning such fossil fuels produces CO2 as a waste product. Putting so much new CO2 into the air has made Earth warmer. If we continue on our current path, we will cause even more warming. NASA continues, CO2 is a big part of the carbon cycle. The carbon cycle traces carbon's path from the atmosphere into living organisms, then turning into dead organic matter, going into the oceans and back into the atmosphere. Scientists describe the cycle in terms of sources. Sources include um, human and plant animal respiration, also combustion. And sinks are part of the cycle that removes carbon from the atmosphere. And sinks are photosynthesis, your plants. You have your oceans and rivers and streams. And then you have the exposed land 
like your forests and everything else. The key to keeping everything in balance is for the sources and sinks to have the same amount of CO2. The most important sinks are the oceans, which include the seawater itself, the organisms living there, and the sediments on the seafloor, as well as plants and soil on the land. The ocean stores most of the world's carbon, but forests are very important too. Forests and oceans each remove one-fourth of the carbon we humans have added to the atmosphere. So according to NASA, the sinks are the oceans as well as plants and soil on the, on the land. So my question is, how can more exposure of land and more water be a bad thing when water and land are the very instruments that remove CO2, according to NASA, from the Earth's atmosphere? So, I understand that rising water and temperature and blah, blah, blah causes coastal deterioration. Well, have we ever stopped to ask ourselves why we ruin coastlines in the first place? Yeah, we build hotels so we can go sit out on the beach and drink margaritas. But that's selfishness. Because if we really cared about the quote-unquote rising ocean levels and our coastal plains and coastlines, we would not be building and polluting along our ocean coasts. And that's the bottom line of that. Um, Scientific America talks about this a little bit because my question that I had, because the water has to go somewhere, I asked, does the rising water backflow into rivers? Scientific America states, estuaries at the mouths of rivers have in the past handled rising ocean levels. Sediment that accumulates along the edge of an estuary can rise the level of the land as the sea levels rise. And mangrove swamps, which buffer much of the coastal zone around the world, flourish and brackish conditions. But because of our preference for living in coastal areas and our habit of re-engineering our surroundings accordingly, humans make matters worse by preventing natural processes from managing the change. On the coast, we build roads and buildings and replace natural buffers like mangrove swamps with dikes and bulkheads to control flooding, which make the problem worse by preventing beach sediment from collecting. And as we dam rivers and create reservoirs, we trap the sediment that would naturally flow down to the sea. So again, it's not the industrial revolution. It is the fact that people are self-centered and feel the need that they should replace natural buffers and take away what God has put down on this earth to flow and maintain. We humans think we're smarter than Lord God Almighty, so we alter according to our needs. And then when we have species of animals and when we're losing our coastlines and when we're fill in the blank, we blame global warming and the industrial revolution, but no one ever bothers to take full responsibility. 
I live in the middle of the United States, in Missouri. I will never live along the ocean coast, for I understand that cities along the ocean, one, are you know, susceptible to hurricanes and flooding, because that's a natural process of the weather. But I'm not going to knowingly go and live along the coastline and then cry about global warming when I'm part of the problem. So if I ever decide to leave Missouri, it would be inland. I would move anywhere there's a beach. But if I have to drive to the beach, that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to set up camp right along the ocean beach because then I know I'm part of the problem. And the thing is this, we know what the problem is. People choose, one, to live on top of each other. So whenever you talk about smog, whenever you talk about global warming in certain places, you need to look at the population. I firmly believe that there is no reason China needs to have 9,000 feet buildings where people are living on top of each other and then complain about smog. Same way with Los Angeles or any other major city. You want to complain about smog and your environment, but at the same time, are you moving inland? Are you separating yourselves out to where all this pollution isn't condensed to one area because people feel the need to live on top of each other? I mean, these are valid questions that I just firmly 100% don't understand. I mean, it's different living in an apartment complex where there's a first and second floor. I mean, that's not right on top of each other, but I personally do not prefer that. I like having my own space, but I also like renting so I don't have to do my own maintenance. And that's, you know, wonderful. But again, if we're building roads and replacing natural buffers because we want to walk out to the beach from our own back door, then we have no right to be complaining about global warming. What does Abu Yah's word say about climate change and global warming? To answer this question, we need to understand what Abu Yah's word has to say regarding no change in seasons and climate and how humans influence these changes. We need to look at creation. Then we will talk about the appointed paths of the elements and learn how seasons, elements, and all things regarding nature are set in place. What the Lord God has set in place, man again takes upon man's self to destroy. So therefore, man is the problem. Jubilees 2, 5 through 8 states, And on the third day, the Lord God Almighty commanded the waters to pass from all the face of the whole earth into one place, and the dry land appeared. And the waters did so as he commanded them, 
and they retired from off the face of the earth into one place outside of this firmament in the dry land appeared. And on that day, he created for them all the seas, according to their separate gathering places, and all the rivers, and the gatherings of the waters, and the mountains, and on all the earth, and all the lakes, and all the dew of the earth, and the sea which is sown, and all sprouting things, and fruit-bearing trees, and trees of the wood, and the Garden of Eden, in Eden, and all plants after their, their kind, excuse me. These four great works God created on the third day. And on the fourth day, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon all the earth and to rule over the day and the night and divide the light from the darkness. If you are unaware, the wind, which is what causes erosion and... um tidal patterns and, you know, pretty much everything is ordained. It has appointed paths and origins for all four north, south, east, and west divisions of the earth. Enoch 76 tells us this, and this is the whole chapter. And at the ends of the earth, I saw 12 portals open to all the quarters of the heaven from which the winds go forth and blow over the earth. Three of them are open on the face, the east of the heavens, and three in the west, and three on the right, which is the south of heaven, and three on the left, which is the north. And the first three are those of the east, and three are of the north, and three after those are the left of the south, and three of the of the west. Excuse me. Through four of these come winds of blessing and prosperity, and from those eight come hurtful winds when they are sent. They bring destruction on all the earth and on the water upon it and all who dwell thereon and on everything which is in the water and on the land. And the first wind from whose portal called the east wind comes forth through the first portal, which is the east, inclining towards the south. From it comes forth desolation, drought, heat and destruction and through the second portal in the middle comes what is fitting and from it there comes rain and fruitfulness and prosperity and dew and through the third portal which lies towards the north comes cold and drought and after these come forth the south winds through three portals through the first portal of them inclining to the east comes forth a hot wind and through the middle portal next to it there comes forth fragrant smells and dew and rain and prosperity and health and through the third portal lying to the west comes forth dew and rain locusts and desolation and after these the north winds from the seventh portal in the east comes dew and rain, locusts, and desolation. And from the middle portal comes in a direct direction health and rain and dew and prosperity. And through the third portal in the west comes cloud and hoarfrost and snow and rain and dew and locusts. And after these four are the west winds, 
through the first portal adjoining the north comes forth dew and hoarfrost and cold and snow and frost. And from the middle portal comes forth dew and rain and prosperity and blessing. And through the last portal, which adjoins the south, comes forth drought and desolation and burning and destruction. And the twelve portals of the four quarters of heaven are therewith completed in all their laws and all their plagues and all their benefactions have I shown to thee my son Methuselah. So for more information on the paths and courses of the moon and sun please read Enoch chapters 72 through 82 for those 10 chapters are very enlightening as to the way the world works. Next, we will be moving to Abba Yah's word regarding how there is no change to seasons and climate. No change in season or climate? We find this in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. We will look at the word remaineth as this word is important. And this verse does not mean that there will not be a renewing of heaven and earth as found in Revelation 21 verse 1. This just simply means that um, remaineth means appointed time, seed times, harvest, cold and heat shall not cease. And the word remaineth is Hebrew word h. 3117, and it means daytime year, day, 24-hour period, working day, a journey's day, division of time, days, lifetime, time period, year, temporal reference, today, yesterday, tomorrow. And so this verse again means until Abba Yah changes and restores the earth as found in Revelation 21 verse 1 and other books of the Bible and quote-unquote apocrypha we learn that there is going to be a restoration of the earth but until the Lord God Almighty comes our seasons our seed times and so on will not cease therefore the real threat of global warming and climate change is not a threat at all it's just mankind being desolate and destructive. Psalm 104 verse 5 said, Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. We are going to look at the word removed. That is Hebrew word H4131. And it means to be out of course. Therefore, the foundations of the earth and everything that is regarding the earth shall not be out of course. Let us read some more in Psalm 104. Psalm 104.10 states, He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. 13-14 through 14 states, He waters the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Everything, brothers and sisters, is ordained, set in motion by our creator. What mankind does is what mankind wants to do and causes destruction. We find 
everything being ordained according to Abba Yah's word, referenced in the wisdom of Solomon. Chapter 7, verses 17 through 21. For he has given me certain knowledge of the things that are, namely to know how the world was made and the operation of the elements, the beginning, ending, and mist of the times, the alteration of the turning of the sun and the changing of the seasons, the circuits of years and the positions of stars, the natures of living creatures, the furies of wild beasts, the violence of winds and the reasonings of men, the diversities of plants and the virtues of roots and all such things are either secret or manifest them i know and if you've never read the wisdom of solomon oh solomon was very wise and he knew the lord god almighty and that is one book that you will learn a lot from so i've included it on the ministry website with this sermon um, but it's easy to Google. You just type in Wisdom of Solomon and start reading. Because the more you understand, the more you're going to see our Creator in everything. Now, let's look at what the Word of the Lord God Almighty, Abba Yah, has to say about changes due to mankind's defilement of the land. And that is the important takeaway because actually Scientific America was exactly right why there is quote unquote global warming. Because again, our habit of re-engineering our surroundings accordingly makes matters worse by preventing natural processes from managing the change on its own. And those natural processes, again, were set forth in the three days that God took to create the heavens and earth. And on the third day, he ordained everything. And if it wasn't supposed to run the way it he meant for it to run, he would not have called it good. So again, it's mankind defiling the land. Jeremiah 2 verse 7, and I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof, but when you entered it, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The word defiled is important, and it is Hebrew word H2930. And to be defiled means to be unclean, to become unclean, become impure, which means to be or become unclean sexually, religiously, or ceremonially. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we have learned and inherited customs and traditions that just don't make sense anymore. Same way with religion. Religion puts everyone's God in a separate box and none of them should ever mingle or talk to each other or whatever the case may be. And that's just bogus because there is one creator and you can't validly say that there is not a creator because precise things do not just spontaneously combust and there, you know, it just doesn't happen. 
You have to have a parent to create a baby. I'm just saying. Anyway, to defile means also to defile oneself. So not only are you defiling the land, but you can defile yourself. And not just you, but the whole group of people. Say 30,000 people are in one area. If everyone litters, if everyone does what everyone wants to do based on their impulses and robs people or murders, cheats, and, you know, vandalizes, that's a form of defilement. And we see that happening all over the world. But then we want to blame quote-unquote, the industrial revolution on global warming. No, the word of God said, and you will learn here in just a minute, that when you defile his land, there are repercussions. So, defile also means to pronounce unclean, declare unclean, and to profane the name of the Lord God Almighty. So, again, when the people of the land are unclean, meaning all the above definition that I just read to you, that land becomes desolate. We find it an example of this in the book of Jubilees, chapter 11, where we learn about ravens eating seeds and the land was barren. The ravens leave when Abram turns to Abba Yah and begins to pray to the creator of all things. Now, I started at verse 4 to get a thorough understanding of the chapter of chapter 11. Um, so let me give you a brief rundown. This is a little bit of the genealogy, and we're going to pick up where um, Terah, which is Abram's mother, bore Terah. Um, and then we're going to go into verse 10. And we're going to learn the name of our adversary. We have been talking about fallen angels and their names. But did you know that there is an appointed angel adversary? And this, you know, quote unquote adversary is normally called Satan in the Bible. Well, Jubilees actually gives him a name, which answers your questions as to what was going on in Job. How, if Satan was bound, could he go to and fro from heaven and earth? Well, that word in Job means adversary, and the adversary angel has a name. And that's going to be a whole nother sermon. But I need to introduce you to that right quick. So we're going to pick up at verse 10. And the prince Maxima sent ravens and birds to devour the seed which was sown in the land in order to destroy the land and rob the children of men of their labors. Before they could plow in the seed, the ravens picked it from the surface of the ground. And for this reason, he was named Terra, because the ravens and the birds reduced them to destruction and devoured their seed. And the years began to be barren 
owning to the birds, and they devoured all the fruit of the trees from the trees. It was only with great effort that they could save a little of all the fruit of the earth in their days. And in this 39th jubilee, in the second week of the first year, Terah took to himself a wife, and her name was Edna, the daughter of Abram, the daughter of his father's sister and in the seventh year of this week she bore him a son and he called his name abram by the name of the father of his mother for he had died before his daughter had conceived a son and the child began to understand the errors of the earth that all went astray after graven images and after uncleanliness and his father taught him writing and he was two weeks of years old and he began to pray to the creator of all things that he might save him from the errors of the children of men and that his portions should not fall into error after uncleanliness and vileness and the seed time came for the sowing of seeds upon the land, and they all went forth together to protect their seed against the ravens. And Abram went forth with those that went, and the child was a lad of, of 14 years old. And a cloud of ravens came to devour the seed, and Abram ran to meet them before they settled on the ground, and cried to them before they settled on the ground to devour the seed, and said, Descend not. Return to the place whence you came, and they proceeded to turn back. And he caused the clouds of ravens to turn back that day seventy times, and of all the ravens throughout all the land where Abram was, there settled not so much as one. And all who were with him throughout all the land saw him cry out, and all the ravens turned back, and his name became great in all the land of the Chaldees. And there came to him this year all those who that wished to sow, and he went with them until the time of sowing ceased, and they sowed their land, and that year they brought enough grain home, and ate, and were satisfied. And then the first year of the fifth week, Abram taught those who made implements for oxen, the artificers in wood, and they made a vessel above the ground facing the frame of the plow in order to put the seed thereon. And the seed fell down therefrom upon the share of the plow and was hidden in the earth, and they no longer feared the ravens. And after this manner they made vessels above the ground on all the frames of the plows, and they sowed and tilled all the land according to Abram's command, and they no longer feared feared the birds brothers and sisters all it takes is one person to turn things around if we would all work together do you understand what a magnificent world this could be if we all just finally laid down our animosity and our hate and our strife and our anger and our frustrations and we just gave up and said Father God, Abba, Yah, I am yours, teach me. If we did all of that, and he would, he would teach us all how to be better people. But the thing about that is people are happy being sinners and destructive and don't care. I was driving home today, and 
a woman was walking down the street and all of a sudden she just throws the carton that she had her food in on the ground. And it wasn't some small, you know, McDonald's wrapper. It was a big styrofoam carton that is going to be an eyesore along the street now. But because she was lazy and could care less, other people have to come behind her and clean up her mess. That's not how we should be living. And I'm sorry, but there's, you know, all kinds of different stores along the route that she was walking. She could have easily found a trash can. But people do not think this way. Not everybody. So therefore, there's always going to be conflict. So what we, the body of Abba Yah, our true creator, need to do is make the decisions if we know global warming is being caused from mankind disrupting natural processes in the environment, then maybe we should go elsewhere. We all don't need to live in a big city. Learn to commute. Because I promise you, the more you spread out, the less you're going to talk about greenhouse gases the less you're going to talk about smog and our coastlines will be able to heal. We learn in Jubilees chapter 6 about what happens when we stray away from the ordained paths and make up our own times. Jubilees chapter 6 verse 30 through 38. And all the days of the commandment will be two and fifty of are 50 weeks of days, meaning 52 weeks and the entire year complete. Thus it is graven and ordained on the heavenly tablets. And there is no neglecting this commandment for a single year or from year to year. And command thou the children of Israel that they observe the years according to this reckoning, 364 days, not 365, and these will constitute a complete year, and they will not disturb its time from its day and from its feast, for everything will fall out in them according to their testimony, and they will not leave out any day nor disturb any feast. But if they do neglect and do not observe them according to the Lord God Almighty's commandment, then they will disturb all their seasons and the entire year will be dislodged from its order and they will disturb the seasons and the years will be dislodged and they will neglect their ordinances. And all the children of Israel will forget and will not find the path of the years and will forget the new moons and the seasons and Sabbaths. And they will go wrong as to all the order of the years. For I know and from henceforth will I declare it unto thee that it is not of my own devising for the book lies written before me and on the heavenly tablets the division of days is ordained lest they forget the feast of the covenant and walk according to the feasts of the gentiles after their error and after their ignorance from there will be those who will assertedly make observation of the moon how it disturbs the seasons and comes in from year to year ten days too soon for this reason the years will come upon them when they will 
disturb the order and make an abominable day the day of testimony and an unclean day a feast day and they will confound all the days the holy with the unclean and the unclean day with the holy for they will go wrong as to the mouse and sabbaths and feasts and jubilees for this reason i command and testify to thee that thou may testify to them for after thy death thy children would, will disturb them so that they will not make the year 364 days only and for this reason they will go wrong as to the new moons and seasons and sabbaths and festivals and they will eat all kinds of blood with all kinds of flesh so as we just read we see that the appointed weeks are 52 in a year, we learn that the year should only be 364 days, and this change along with the other changes of time that has occurred with your Julian calendar, with um, your Jewish calendar, with the Chinese calendar, with everybody's calendar but the Lord God Almighty's calendar, everything is wrong. Plant, harvest time, seasons, wrong. Because mankind thought they knew better than the Lord God Almighty and changed everything. Again, that's Jubilees chapter 6. Let's go to Jeremiah 44. Jeremiah 44, 22 through 23 states, So the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you have committed. Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as at this day. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his laws, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies. Therefore, this evil will happen unto you as at this day. So, because we don't listen, we didn't follow what is ordained in Jubilees chapter 6, our land is desolate and we don't know what's going on, so we label it climate change. A word that we need to look at um in verse 22 is abominations and it means properly something disgusting morally abhorrence especially idolatry um desolation means again drought desolation decay destruction or waste um astonishment is hebrew word h 8047 and it means a concertation so the lord god almighty told me to look up the definition of concertation and that means feelings of anxiety excuse me or dismay typically at something unexpected so droughts are brought on by disobedience to the word of god and not by global warming or climate change the feelings of dismay and anxiety because the land changes, like coastal lands and lands that are being unveiled due to the change of sea water levels and the melting of the ice caps, or storms that are violent and destructive are caused by disobedience to Abba Yah's word. Plain and simple. But we also need to go back to our maps 
and know that the ice caps were not always frozen. So I would like to ask a scientist, based on all the maps that we used back when Noah divided the land, how our explorers knew that the North Pole was lush and beautiful back in 1400, 15, 1600, 1700, because we even had 1700 maps, why there was no polar ice caps on the North Pole. So I'm just saying, we as the body of Abba Yah have to start using common sense. And we have to start getting back to what his word says. Now, I really wish I could be in charge of changing time back, but I wouldn't even know where to put time at for the world so it could be changed. But what I do know is Jubilees chapter 6 makes a lot of sense because over the years, how many times has the calendar changed? Who really knows? So how can we validly say that times that we know that it's really Tuesday, February 25th, 2021? How can we validly say this? We can't because excuse me, man has changed times more than anyone can count. So, because people do not heed to Abba Yah's word when he brings about droughts, famine, changes in the land, people tend to make up things rather than turning back to God and repenting for the truth. And this is what we see with global and climate change. A panic of anxiety that can easily go away if the world, nations, countries would repent and stop building on coastal plains or floodplains, that I never really understood because there's so much land, but everybody is so set on living in major cities and this and that and whatever, but never takes the time to think about the consequences. And then when consequences arise, one to blame everything and everyone but themselves. Anyway, that's how mankind works. But what does Abba Yah's word say about our lands being fruitful due to obedience? And these are important because when we are obedient, things change. We find this in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3 through 6. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace to the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. Second Chronicles 34 verses 31 through 22. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book.
And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God and the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. In all his days, they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. So this verse in Second Chronicles is very important as the king was a very young, young man and made drastic changes and removed the desolation because he purged the land of sin and followed Yah's word. There is a link at the end of the sermon where you can read more about who Josiah is. But for a little bit of background on Josiah's age, we find it in Second Chronicles 34, 1-3. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twentieth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So again, in the 12th year, it just, it's amazing. If a child can make changes and choose to turn back to Abaya, like we saw Abram. Abram was only 14 years old whenever he started to pray to our creator. And we learned when he prayed, desolation and those ravens went running. Because he learned the words of the Lord God Almighty. We read in Second Chronicles, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And in the twelfth year of his reign, he purged Judah. Now that makes him what? Eight and twelve is only twenty years old? Brothers and sisters, you guys want change. I want change. We have to be the change. We have to make the changes, even if that means moving away from coastal cities and tearing down our destructive roads and buildings and plants that are along those cities for our land to heal, then that's what we should do. We should not be forcing people to convert to, you know, electric energy because I, for one, can't afford to go buy a car. Solar power, wind power, as we've all witnessed in Texas, is not the only valid source of energy. Now, let me do make something clear. If the world would go off of what Tesla knew, we'd have free energy. We would all have energy, and we would never have to pay an electric bill. Or a high one, at least. But nobody wants to look at Tesla's work and actually implement it because then there goes our fossil fuel producers and economies could crash and this and that and whatever. 
So it's a give and take. And the thing about that is we have to start asking ourselves, what are we doing? Our part. Are we doing our part? Are we living on the coast? Are we creating new roads that divert rivers from their natural courses? Are we building in a floodplain when there's other land areas that we could be building on? Or is it because we're selfish and we think we know everything? Climate change and the way that they deliver it is a lie. And it is a lie to hide what is really taking place. And that is the word of Abba Yah doing as he says when we become unclean, when we become destructive of the land, when we, you know, think we know everything, and so on and so forth. Again, we have the power to make changes. I'm all for clean energy. I don't want to have to spend $2.49 per gallon, especially driving DoorDash. That takes money out of my home. So if I could have a battery-powered car that gets me 400 miles to a charge, then I would drive that in a heartbeat. But we don't have that technology, apparently. Not in the vast amount that needs to be produced for everyone to live the way, you know, climate change enthusiasts state we need to. And what happens to those, I don't make a lot of money, but what happens to the poor people once all this stuff starts being implemented? Nobody's thinking about that either. Nobody's thinking about what happens when it's going to be mandatory for us to drive hybrid vehicles or eco-friendly vehicles. Are they going to give every person a vehicle? That's my next question. Because again, I for one can barely make the car payment that I have on my 2015 Chevy Equinox. But I'm doing so. And thank God... I thank him so very much that my payment through this epidemic and pandemic has not been late, and I am very thankful on that. But these are things that we really need to take a hard look at. And unless you're in the world of making policy, chances are you're not. But there are things that you can do, and... Whenever planning and zoning committees meet, attend a planning and zoning committee meeting and tell them why you should not build in a floodplain. Because if global warming is that important, then that entire list of concerns, reasons, comments that was given to us by Scientific American, um, it applies. It applies to the word of God. It applies to what is going on. Because, again, humans make matters worse by preventing natural processes from managing the change. Everything the Lord God created was created for a purpose. Man comes and, as man does, destroys. 
So I hope you found this informational. I sure did whenever I did the sermon. Very eye-opening. And now you know what climate change really is. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.